Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the greatest generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm one of those guys. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Wow. Really letting that pregnant pause hang. Yeah. People yeah. are wondering, did Adam not come for this episode? <laughs> I want people to wonder whether or not I came. Mm-hmm. Just generally. You, you're, was that it? Yeah. That's all you're going to produce? Huh. That's what you did. Hmm. <laughs> Adam, we have a lot of packages. I'm uh-huh. sitting in a room surrounded by boxes. Are you really? How tall is that stack? The stack is tall. I think there's eight things on this stack. You better get you into it. You gotta open these packages. Open them up. Let's get right in. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Start lead emergency frequency. Captain size only. This is an auspicious package. This first one here came from my hometown of Oakland, California. Wow. From a good a good buddy of the show and of ours, Sarus Farvar. Wow, really? Sarus? Yeah. It's one of those that priority guy's, mail that mailers. Guy's one of the best friends of DeSoto. He sure is. Hey dudes, just wanted to say how much I appreciate you. Can't wait to get back to Bay Area live shows. All the best from Oakland, Sarus. What has he sent us, Adam? This is an, an issue of Entertainment Weekly from August 4th, 2017. Ooh. About this new Star Trek show that's coming out, Star Trek Discovery. And yeah, it's got friend of the pod Mary Wiseman in here with uh, oh, yeah. Doug Jones and Sonequa Martin-Green and uh, Anthony Rapp. And uh, he also sent some stickers. Oh, that's fun. Some transit-specific stickers, old boy, new boy, on the, uh, <laughs> the, Bart, on the BART train. That's fun. Yeah. I haven't gotten to ride New Boy yet. I want to. Oh, yeah. I love me a BART train. You want to run a tram on New Boy, don't you? I do. All right. Next package we've got here is from A. Bowser in Buffalo, New York. And it's to us. Hey, we love Bowser. She's one of the best friends of DeSoto. Dear Ben and Adam, I grew up watching Star Trek with my dad, so every time I visit him... He gives me some random Trek memorabilia from his collection. When I saw this, I knew I had to pass it along to you. I guess it's a book of pre-internet memes. Also, the podcast has been so great lately. I'm loving the Voyager episodes. Hey, Bowser! Card Daddy's in the chat saying Miss Bowser is at the zoo with her kid tonight and sends her best. We send our best to Miss no uh, Bowser also. She fucking rules. A, a true friend of DeSoto. Yeah. Wow. Join the crew of the USS Enterprise just for laughs. It's a book called Trek or Treat. Yeah, with the famous Spock quote, same to you, fella. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It is literally just every page is a photo from Star Trek and a jolly humorous quote that wasn't said on the show. Spock and McCoy holding phasers. Gee, I didn't know it was loaded. Hmm. That's fun. You know what? It's really in like that Garfield 
book format, isn't it? Like all Garfield books are yeah. shaped like this. It's it's like a very wide paperback. Yeah. Here's one of Kirk down on the he's 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 KO'd on the bridge of the Enterprise and McCoy looks off to camera and says, Ah, he fall down go boom. Mm. Yeah, right. That's that's about all I want of that book, Ben. Let, <laughs> let's uh, let's get to the next. Okay, fine. I thought Ms. Bowser's book was a cool gift, but Look, uh, I guess you don't. I love Ms. Bowser. She uh, she nursed me back to health at at Max von Kahn East. I was I was being set upon by some people trying to ruin my time. She saved me. She's great. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah. What happened to you? Well, some people were trying to burn down. The location of Max von Kahn East, and uh, and she took <laughs> they me to only safety. succeeded later. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. The next one is from Sam B in Carrollton, Texas. Um, it's a very little piece of paper. I like that. That is a perfectly okay size of paper, Ben. That gets the job I, done. It's it have a normal like piece of printer paper. That is and all usually, the. That's the amount of paper that you need. Listen. If you have half of average, that just means that you need to step it up in the oral department. (laughs) It goes like this. Dear Ben and Adam, greetings from Dallas, Texas. Every week you guys never fail to make me laugh, even in times when laughter seems like it's in short supply. Like so many friends of DeSoto before me, I wanted to give a little something back. Enclosed our two custom Lego kits I packed just for you. Since Lego never got the licensing rights for Star Trek sets, fuck that K-R-E-O bullshit. Wow. I designed these little polybag-sized builds of the iconic captain's chairs from the two best entrepreneurs, the Big D and the No Bloody ABCRD. Mm. Wow. Since both of you have built and subsequently destroyed RSVP, a total of three expert-level sets, these should be simple by comparison. Instruction seats in the proper Lego style are included, and all the bricks have been sourced directly from the Lego company or from third-party sellers who source from brand new sets. As the Danish say, Leggot, and as the Vulcans say, live long and prosper. There's mm. truly Sam, a.k.a. Doubt Furious. We know Doubt Furious. Of course we do. From internet? Yeah. Wow. So Doubt Furious has created... Two branded Lego sets. Look at those. Of Kirk and Picard's chairs, and they include all of the pieces that we wow. are going to need to make these. And I'm thinking these are too small to really smash in a fun way, but they look great. Yeah. All right. We have one here from Jessica F. in Pace, Florida. Dear Ben and Adam, I was browsing my local comic store the other day when I found these wild looking DS9 comics. I knew I had to send them to you guys. The Rom to the Rescue comic features our favorite daughter of the fifth house, holder of the sacred chalice of Reeks, heir to the holy rings of Beta Zed, and girl boss, Loxana Troy. The other features the dynamic duo of Jake and Naga and also a pre-beard Cisco. Binging Greatest Gen has gotten me through the pandemic and hardships of graduate school during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. I even introduced my mom and brother to the pod, so we are a whole podcast family now. Wow. Their terrible impressions make me laugh when I'm having an especially difficult day. Oh, they're talking I don't about know what I'm me going to- with that. <laughs> How dare you? I don't know what I'm going to do 
when I catch up and have to wait a whole week for new episodes. Thanks for all you do. And thanks, of course, including Rob's and Bill Tilly. P.S. When I introduced my mom to the pod, the first thing she said was, so these guys just sit around in their basement and talk about Star Trek all the time? Mm. That is a very mom opinion. Yeah. I sit in my garage, but uh, Adam, you do kind of sit in your basement. A lot of love for Jess in the chat right now. Just want to say. Wow. I love to hear it. Uh, a a wonderful person and Discord participant. The Discord is at awesome. drunkshimoda.com. Here are uh, Nog and Jake just slapping each other five. <sighs> That's great. I love that. Yeah. Man, this is such early era. Like, look at the bump on Jedzia Dax's hair. Yep. That's like that's like season one hair for Jedzia. Sure is. <laughs> that's some big bun. Look at this Wolf 359 flashback with a Del Sol class right up front. The battle does not go well for that Del Sol, I don't think. <laughs> it sure doesn't. <laughs> let's get to uh let's get to our next package. This one is just two Uxbridge Shimoda and no from, at least on the outside of the package. Here is a letter. Dear Adam and Ben, listener and FOD, since TNG, my mom recently dug these up in my grandmother's old things. I figured one set for each of you and use the tin to store your jazz gummies. Wow. Hmm. Currently watching along with your apps with my 10-year-old daughter who loves Cass and calls Chicote Chipotle. <laughs> Thanks for all the dick and fart jokes. A big fan, Ian. That's that's from uh, Ian B, who uh, drew a picture of, of himself as an FOD. Wow. I like an I, I like the idea of, of uh, I don't know if that's supposed to be a tattoo or like a sweatshirt that Ian is wearing in the in his self portrait. Is that a is it a mask yeah. on the person? I don't know, but uh, I think Podshop.biz probably needs a sweatshirt that says FOD forever. We're getting a lot of inspiring ideas tonight on the show. sure are. I hope Nick Dittmer is watching, but he isn't. Nope, definitely not. We got playing cards in box. I've got that set. Inesco brand Star Trek The Next Generation playing cards. Hell yeah. When you want to play Spite and Malice with someone, you want to use Inesco brand playing cards. Really? Oh, man. So, Who yeah, knows? they are. It's like a, like a like a regular like poker deck, but with... Rip them open. But with a picture... I want to know if there are... Uh, if I'm, there... I'm ripping. I'm ripping. So, uh, on the back, you've got a picture of uh-huh. the... TNG crew, and it is the post-Tasha Yar era picture with Guinan in there. Whoever directed that Um, photograph deserves our thanks, because putting Guinan in the middle was a great choice. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Oh, they're just regular-ass playing cards. Yeah, I was wondering if the, like, Jacks would be Data, the Queens would be Troy or whatever, but uh, no such luck. They're they're pretty regular playing cards on Mm -hmm. the... On the back, but we could we could get into some trouble with these, Adam. You could you could we beat really me at could. poker we could play or, some, or blackjack. We could play some card war. That's just high card. Yeah, and and then I would just be mad at you. People love hearing descriptions of, of uh, regular ass cards. What I got here is a nine, Ben. What do you have? I've got an eight, but it's an eight of clubs. Does that oh, get me anything? Wow. 
Uh, I mean, it, it does not. So the nine beats of the eight <laughs> on this edition of Card War. All right. We're getting into the bigger packages now, Adam. This one is from the Preston Arts Center in Louisville, Kentucky. And that's the information we have on the exterior. How did they get our address? I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing it was an individual at the Preston Arts Center or that was just a yeah. label that this individual had access Much to. Much like the individual at Tic Tac Twitter account. Like, this is not the Preston Arts Center <laughs> actual. This is this is a mole. Yeah. I'm opening this. There's some already some, some jazzy and artistic packing paper in here. Yeah. How about that? that? That's really nice. Are you the very careful present opener that, that slices through the tape and folds flat the wrapping paper? Seems like you might be. I don't think this will surprise anybody listening or any of the people watching on the live stream, but there are pieces of wrapping paper that have been in my family for over a decade because we are all extremely careful present unwrappers <laughs> and we save everything. <laughs> 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 I just watching Adam melt. <laughs> I love I love I love the idea that Christmas Day lasts like four days for you. It's not, oh, it, it absolutely does. Just it's just it's, to preserve it's a lot the paper. of laying it out really flat so that we can oh, yeah. collect it up later. Gotta do that. Well you got two letters here, Adam, from oh. the Preston Art Center. One says off air, the other says on air. So oh, I'm going to leave this one we, to the side. Yeah, we should trust them. The off-air one can get read later. But uh, for now, Adam and Ben, greeting from Louisville, Kentucky, a great city to visit and an even better one to live in. Please accept these modest goods as a token of my, not my wife's appreciation. Yeah, that's For right. all the years of, of laughs and togetherness. Through the time spent listening to TGG, I've become a father, a homeowner, a business owner, and now an artist. Hand-marbled ties and, you guessed it, scarves. I tried to make these as space-tastic as possible. Maybe the tie is good enough for Chris Brenner? I'm Chris Brenner. Brenner Information Systems. You know, interface, operations, net access, channel 90. That Chris Brenner! <laughs> Perhaps the scarf would bring a smile to the face of Roe Laren. All I hope is that they're good enough for you. Be well. Continue to do what you're doing. Andrew Preston. Wow. Andrew Preston's a real drop pimp from the sounds of it. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, P.S. Blacklight included. Andrew has included a flashlight that I guess is a... Yeah, it's, I don't know if people can even see that. Oh, that's that, one of a... those blacklight flashlights that you use to pick up filthy spots in a uh, by-the-hour hotel. I'm going to see what happens when I use this in my bedroom later. You know what we but, should uh, do? We should go, we should get a room for the last night that the Rio exists. <laughs> and and we should bring that light. We should. Andrew has made us each a necktie, and these are really keying out badly, but they are, uh, they're really cool looking. They're, they're... Andrew, that's a cum tie. It absolutely is. But I'm going to, I'm going to put mine on, Adam. <laughs> I know you can't because you're in a different place than I am, but uh, <laughs> that I show I show the respect that a cum die deserves. You really do. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to put it on. This is what's called a four-in-hand knot to uh, those of you 
viewing on the Twitch stream. You are the dorkiest. Twitch account. Um, Look at you. You don't even need a mirror. You can just do it right to camera. God, you are so uh, dorky. What the fuck? I'm not dorky. I'm dapper. (laughs) So you want this dimple, right? You want that... You want that crease right in the middle at the knot, and you can just kind of form that with your finger. And then when you tighten the knot, tighten it at a 90 degree angle to your neck so that it, the tie kind of has a little shape to it as it comes off. And then you flip down your collar. Yeah. Hey, now you're looking damper as hell. When you were on the crew team, is this how you dressed? <laughs> yeah, we dressed. We rode in black tie. And then we each have kind of uh, gossamer thin scarves, which are very appropriate to the weather here in in our uh, oh yeah our town of Los Angeles. Yeah, we also each got a little uh, Preston Art Center 80th anniversary uh, paintbrush here. Oh, that's great! The 80th anniversary. I love the Preston Art yeah. Center. I love the yeah, I love fan. the paintbrush. I love the scarf. Still thinking about that tie though. All right, Adam. We've got just two packages left. This package is from Beastly Art in Los Angeles, California, our hometown. Mm-hmm. This looks like it may have just been drop shipped to us because it's got special tape on it and stuff. But maybe it's a Preston Art Center situation. I don't know. No, there's a there's a letter in here. This is a hand signed letter. That's what you ben want, Ben and Adam. Yeah, dear Ben and Adam, I just want to join the chorus of people telling you how much you helped during this past year. Basically, two things kept me sane during 2020: joining a pottery studio and viewing your pod more often than is probably recommended. Trek has always been my comfort food TV, and I think some deep part of my primate nervous system is gullible enough to believe that if I can hear my two favorite parasocial buddies goofing on, for some reason, Jake, instead of screaming in panic about the state of the world, then maybe I can relax a little and worry about, you know, everything later. I know you guys are mostly dog people, but have you heard of those cat calming products that mimic the pheromone smell of chill, happy cats in order to convince freaked out kitties that everything is okay i had a house full of them up in seattle no kidding every outlet thank you for being the audio version of that for me and for a lot of other people anyway (laughs) remember way back before my belabored cat metaphor when i said i've been doing pottery well i've made you this pair of trek themed copitas to help you work your way through all the mezcal other fod's have sent maybe you need a Mezcal in the mesh hall square <laughs> on the board. That sounds great. Ben, I just got a bottle of Ensemble that I want to have with you. I oh, got yeah? it a couple of days ago. Yeah. Oh, snap. Well, I'm, I'm guessing we're about to open the vessels out of which we will be drinking that. Yeah, good idea. Also, another suggestion here is Tequilix with Neelix. Mm. Never mind. That's nothing. Great. No, that works. That plays. I've never made copitas before, so here's hoping I got the basic concept right. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy. And if I'm in the Twitch chat right now, hi. If not, it means I had to work, and I'm sad I missed this. Kapla, Leslie. Leslie, say what's up if you're in the chat. Hey! <laughs> hey! That's great! Thank you, Leslie! Wow, these are beautiful. Whoa! Star Trek logo uh, Copitas. Those are amazing! There's two of them here. You could... That's that's a lot of mezcal to take to the dome, I gotta say. Oh, man. Those are beautiful. These are gorgeous. Really cool. This is, uh, these were created by an extremely talented artisan. Look at... The insides are so glossy. 
Wow. Yeah. Really gorgeous work, Leslie. Thank you so much. Leslie, you rule. That uh, I'm going to save that ensemble bottle for when Ben and I can get together and drink out of those vessels. That's amazing. This is it, Adam. We're here. We've, we've reached the end. This package is from Aaron H. in Laurel, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Dear Ben and Adam, I ran across the enclosed figure on a road trip in a vintage toy store in Metropolis, Illinois, Superman's hometown. <laughs> I had a strange feeling that you guys might want it, but I can't remember why. Perhaps something's gone wrong with my memory? Love the pod. I never really got into Voyager when it was on, but I'm really enjoying watching it along with you guys. All the best, Aaron. I'm with Aaron. Never watched it when it was on. Really enjoying it. Wow. Memory joke lands, Adam. It's another Kern figure. Amazing. (laughs) Look at his chest. His chest is absolutely fucking shredded. (laughs) He's got the loaf that goes all the way down. It is literally, it's literally shredded. He looks like he's been (laughs) shot with a shotgun in the chest. I have a kern of this design, Adam, so this one is yours. Oh, I want it. I really want that. I appear to be terribly wounded through the chest (laughs) and yet I do not remember how it happened (laughs) not everyone keeps their memory in the same place Captain Kirk if Lower Decks brings back memory loss Kern and Kevin Uxbridge that would that would be murder to us honestly I might quit Greatest Discovery I want to be those yeah. voices so bad. I want the both of us to be both voices. If Memory Loss Kern comes on Lower Decks, I want it to be two bad impressions of Kern yeah. being passed back and forth. Yeah. And it's never explained in the show. You have to look like, like Greatest Gen to understand why that's happening. Mariner has to do an errand on Kronos and like she has to pass, <laughs> pass through some security apparatus. Right. And there's Kern right. who's like, take out... Your phone and keys and place them in (laughs) the ashtray for me to visually inspect. I'm sorry, the metal detector went off. Do you have any surgeries we should know about? God, I know Mike McMahon's cool. He's going to be cool with this. He's going to be fine with this. I hope. Do we need to like write a spec script and send it in? Is that I what think we, we need do. to do? I think we do, and I think we can. That sounds like so should. much fucking work. <laughs> ben, hey Ben, what's that, Adam? I've already started. <laughs> I'm like I'm, I'm 12 pages into the spec. I haven't told you wow. this, but I actually started writing it. I can't believe you started that without me. Yeah, I'm hurt. It's happened. Well, I'm you humiliated. don't have to be hurt. We're ten pages away from finishing it, and you know the process. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on a notes page where we can both hack it to bits, and then I'll send it to Mike McMahon, and then uh, we'll hear we'll hear nothing back. Do you have his contact info? If his email address isn't mmm at Paramount Plus, then <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. We should get our fancy Hollywood agent to send it in. That'd probably move the needle. We can do that. Right? I'm looking in the chat. I do never not... move the needle for anything else, but uh I do not see our fancy CAA agent in our chat right now. So 
I don't think we're there. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, Adam, we have a big episode to get to today. Do you want to get into Star Trek Voyager Season 2, Episode 20, Investigations? Sure. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. <laughs> Neelix has made a grave error in the beginning of this episode, Ben. One that <laughs> many companies have made. Even recently, for some reason, he's pivoted to video. He had a good thing going with the business he was running. It was successful. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and to try to find an edge. What he needed he, was an Adam there to talk him out of trying to do more Twitch streaming. Right. Yeah, I would have been great at that. I have all the energy for that. But what Neelix has made, it's so weird. Like, I want to know everything about this decision. And I don't mean Neelix's decision. I mean the production decision of uh-huh. making it look like Neelix is recording a kind of student news program with all the production value of like a 1970s driver's ed video. <laughs> I don't get this. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of The Greatest Briefing with Neelix. Right. (laughs) Where we review Briefing with Neelix. Catchy title, isn't it? He's an affable host. He's a a better host than we are, certainly. Oh, yeah. After all, as your morale officer, isn't it my job to bring a little joy into everyone's day? What is bizarre as hell, and we'll get into this a little bit later, is how fucking popular his show is. Everyone watches it. They not only watch it, but they stop what they're doing to watch it. We've become bored with watching actors give us phony emotions. The couple of times in this episode where they, like, cut around the ship, it kind of makes it seem like his ratings are really unbeatable. (laughs) This is why Paris is leaving the ship. He's like, that guy? Really? (laughs) (laughs) yeah whatever's um, keeping him out of the kitchen though right yeah right right exactly um neelix uh pitches doc holiday on doing a segment on this show which i thought was interesting because if neelix is the morale officer i would say that doc holiday is sort of the anti-morale officer yeah that's a good call Except, like, I feel like the Doc could be a very popular aspect to the show if he just did a bunch of gross-out reporting on (laughs) crazy diseases and things that he knows about. (laughs) Wouldn't that be great? Like, here's the gross-out disease of the day with Doc Holliday. That would be much better than what he comes up with, which is just, like, nostril facts. Yeah. Right. He needs a little bit more showmanship. I guess it's... I mean, if we're... You know, like, I think that a very interesting thing to do on this show would be to come up with who is the polar opposite of Neelix and then maybe down the line do something really funny with that. But <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, you're right. As it is, the doc has the doc approaches this project from like a middle school health counselor kind of position, right? Like doing the bare minimum because that's the mandate. Like you can't get too interesting or in the weeds if you're him. I thought it was surprising that Ensign Kim pitched him on a like, hey, like you should bring more like salacious and divisive content to your program to like get the crew polarized and pitted against each other. (laughs) Kim, what ship do you think you're on? That is like the main thing everyone is working to avoid. Ensign Kim could have just skipped over the part where he disclosed he was a huge journalism nerd back in school. And yeah. like we could have assumed this about him. 
Yeah, tell me you're a huge journalism nerd without telling me you're a huge journalism nerd. I wrote an editorial about it, and the students became polarized on the issue. I guess that hard band news wasn't enough for him back in the day. <laughs> he had to break some real stories. And yeah. his encouragement of Neelix feels like something he's going to take and run with. It's all the push Neelix needs to like really go off the deep end with what his programming is going to look like going forward. Yeah. Anyway, uh, see you later, Ensign Kim. We'll barely see you for the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah. We meet a friend of Neelix's over FaceTime. Uh, this guy's name is Laxith, and he is uh, another Talaxian who has recently gone legit and is now uh, working as the comms officer in a Talaxian convoy. I like this tiny bit of trivia here that maybe, I mean, because we have, We've met so few Talaxians. Maybe all Talaxians have X's in their names. We we can assume that, right? It's sort of like a a a T apostrophe K apostrophe Klingon sensibility. Right. Yeah. I think uh, I think you're right about that. I think that so far we haven't encountered any non X named Talaxians. Do you think they're, uh, they're sort of the the Basques of uh, the Delta Quadrant? <laughs> God, you took that in a far nerdier direction than I was about to, which was, do you think DMX is a Talaxian? <laughs> we are the... We are we're Talax, we're Talax, we're Talax at. <laughs> we're the smart yin and stupid yang of this show. I guess we could settle this by finding out how much Cedra they drink. Right. So yeah, this guy drops a bomb on Neelix, which is that uh, this convoy is meeting up with Voyager pretty soon to offload a crew member. Right. Uh, somebody from Voyager is getting off, and, and it's this <laughs> is a pretty shocking piece of news. You know, Neelix was looking for a divisive and polarizing issue to start flogging on his program. I mean... As soon as there was some speculation about a crew person getting off, my mind just went to Ensign Kim immediately. <laughs> but no. It's, it wasn't uh, the kind of getting off they were talking about, Adam. Yeah. Someone wants to transfer. Who would want that? And then we crash into theme, just yeah. dangling that. Yeah. The number of places my mind went was quite big. Really? Both in terms of like who could it be, but also under what pretexts could it be it would have been great if this entire buildup <laughs> for all of these episodes it turns out that jonas is the guy just like getting a simple transfer like <laughs> i'm not really into this whole thing so <laughs> <laughs> like set like seska's evil plan or whatever is just totally irrelevant because seska's just gonna pick jonas up yeah, from yeah. the talaxian ship <laughs> well they play with this tension when we come back from theme because Neelix is in there spilling the beans to the captain. And initially, the scene is sort of set up to to kind of head fake at this is also news to the captain. Janeway's like, you know, we have a policy against snitches, which is why I've brought the doctor in to give you some stitches. <laughs> Yeah, uh, um, she and uh, Tuvok decide it's okay if Neelix knows at this point. Yeah, Neelix sees this as a personal failure, not only of his job as morale officer, but as Tom Paris's friend. He's very affected by this. I guess I hadn't like noticed it. I hadn't like focused on it, I guess. But 
But they have really done a nice job of arcing the way those two characters interact with each other over a two-season run. I was with you on this. Like, uh, what we get primarily is Neelix sticking a wet finger in Tuvox's ear every other episode. And uh, barely any interaction between Paris and Neelix, I guess. Outside of the jealousy component that we were force-fed for a season and a half, right? Yeah, but they squashed the beef and, like, built a different thing. Isn't that nice? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Neelix, uh, we we know he has kind of one reflex in moments like this. How can I make this about me? Right. So he goes down to Paris's quarters where Paris is literally in media pack. I love and- seeing his closet, didn't you? It was just stacks upon stacks of brown, dumpy sweaters. (laughs) You're welcome, ladies. Come on, Paris. Like, mix some colors in there. He really shops at the same store as, like, late season Wesley Crusher did. Yeah. Wesley, the boy. The boy. Young Wesley Crusher. My son. Yeah, he's an Eddie Bauer man through and through. (laughs) But, like, the Eddie Bauer of the late 90s, early 2000s, you know? Yeah. Neelix is like, is it the food? Is it the food that's driving you away? Because I got news for you. You're going to a ship of only Talaxians. (laughs) I'm the best cook they have. It's so interesting how little subtext there is about the Talaxian part of this. Because as you were saying, Neelix is the only one, like Neelix is riding for Neelix here and not not shedding any light on the Miriam challenges that Paris is going to face over there while integrating in Talaxian culture, right? We know nothing about them. Yeah, and I mean, like, he's making the case that he's like a rolling stone that gathers no moss, so maybe he's uh-huh. going to throw in with the Talaxians for as long as he can tolerate them and then jump ship again. Am I making any sense here? It turns out Talaxians just have a low-level accusatory vibe for Paris about... Him wanting to fuck their, yeah, their special people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's some there's some nice frisson for a guy that's as unlucky in love as yeah. Paris going to a an entire convoy of people that are going to suspect him of uh, of having an affair with their special lady. He really kind of squats down into the ball kicking machine all on his own here. Paris really goes in on himself, claiming to be uh, a guy who is unworthy of friendship or affection or good food he tells neelix he couldn't understand he wouldn't understand he shouldn't understand no longer daddy a rebel yeah it's pretty sad there is some good news the doc is in on uh doing a segment for the show Uh (laughs) the appeal of celebrity has really gotten to the doctor's head yeah, unfortunately, uh, Neelix is going to bump him. Like, Matt Damon gets bumped from the Jimmy Kimmel show. Whatever happened to him being called Schmollis? Was it was it Schmollis? I think it was. He never said, like, I renounce the name Schmollis. You know, I think it's it's like the further you get in proximity and time from your crush, the more the decisions made around that person <laughs> seem unwise and embarrassing. <laughs> like, I think maybe... Maybe now that that lady took off, uh, the doc is like, yeah, Schmollis, terrible name. Not going to go with that one. Especially if I'm going to try and like meet a new woman. Right. Yeah. You don't want to carry that old name baggage into the new lady situation, right? Yeah. 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 That's an awkward conversation (laughs) for a first date. Yeah. Today's show is what 
shows us just how popular Neelix's morning program is. It's sort of like if there were an emergency broadcast over every channel, like in an apocalyptic movie, you know, mm-hmm. you get the scene where, where someone's walking by a storefront and they turn and they watch yeah, the, the yeah. display of televisions there. This is that kind of montage. They've taken over every screen in Times Square so yeah. the president can tell the gathered <laughs> tourists about the asteroid or whatever. Yeah. And I guess in this metaphor, the asteroid is Talaxian culture <laughs> and Paris is what's going to get hit by it. Neelix starts his broadcast speaking a little bit circuitously about who he's talking about. And Mm -hmm. he is describing a man who, when he first met him, thought was untrustworthy and an opportunistic jerk. And the first person we see watching the broadcast is Chakotay. Mm -hmm. And the camera pans down to a pencil snapping in Chakotay's (laughs) fist. (laughs) Before it's revealed that uh, it's, in fact, Tom Paris that Neelix is talking about. Chakotay's got to be wishing they were just going to blow Paris out the airlock at this point. If you were Chakotay, wouldn't this be the moment where you went to the captain and went like, the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Chakotay sidelined throughout this episode. Really. It's an interesting scene for its construction, right? Because Neelix is given the voiceover role to Paris's departure which is wordless from Paris. He's like all the way into the transporter room when he gives his comm badge to Kim. Like he says nothing and then gets on the pad and goes. Yeah. It's an interesting You're going to want to take that comm badge with you, Tom Paris. Like that's a really valuable piece of tech to have in an emergency, I think. Yeah. One for the road, right? Like, yeah. Like it, it would have been great if like every scene of Worf resigning his commission went through the uh, the ritual of putting the comm badge on the desk. And then after a beat, Worf is like, I mean, you know, this is how it works. I'm, I'm also going to take the comm badge with, with me because <laughs> in case I get into trouble and so on and so forth. This was just symbolism. <laughs> right. My smell test went off in this scene, though, because I just. Oh, didn't you're smelling believe- again now? I am smelling again. Have you fully recovered? I would say that I'm like 90% of the way back. So when you bury your your face into your dog's fur, you're fully smelling? Can smell dog. That's the test, right? It's the dog test. It's the dog test and I passed it, baby. Flying colors. Congratulations. The reason this scene struck me as strange is that I don't believe Paris leaving the ship would be attended only by these three characters. It's just Neelix, Kess, and Ensign Kim there to to see him off. Like, he didn't exchange a goodbye with the captain. You know, Chakotay didn't say, uh, don't let the transporter hit you on the way out. It's a great point. When characters leave the show in a planned kind of way, they get that series of scenes. They get yeah. the minor key music. They get a hallway lined with their coworkers on the way to the transporter room, and it's like he's going on vacation, right? almost. You want me to bring you back a souvenir? It's called a horgon. I wanted it to cut a little deeper. Yeah, or just have a scene where Chicote is down in Sandrine's, like, 
changing the whole thing, like redecorating. Just beating the shit out of it with pool cues. (laughs) And then like announcing that there's going to be one last uh, lottery to, to, you know, one one lucky winner will get Paris's replicator rations. (laughs) Sandrine's is now a sweat lodge. Fucking deal with it. <laughs> you you get on the things that I like to do from now on. <laughs> There's no lottery here. <laughs> so they have a McLaughlin group. Issue one. <laughs> and Chicote is like, who's the next guy I'm going to drive off of the ship? <laughs> <laughs> who's the next one up? Bit of a problem going on with the warp engines, Adam. Yeah, there's a little bit of a vibration at speed. You don't like that. Yeah. It kind of sounds like a like if there was a wooden shoe wedged into some of the machinery. Hence the word sabotage. That wooden clunking clobbing sound. <laughs> it's not good. Interesting like the uh the the expressions around the table here for this meeting, right? Not not the happiest work meeting of all time and and Kim is like you know, they're talking about, like, who are they going to put on Paris's shifts? And Kim is like, he's going to taste the food over there and he's going to want back in. Like, do we really close the door this fast? Kim asks the captain, like, what if he wants back? And and Janeway's like, well, we have his comm badge. So <laughs> I think it's pretty clear. We'll never see him again. We have no way of finding him. <laughs> Jonas radios BLT like toward the end of this meeting with the engine problem. It's yeah. it's dire enough that she's got to get over there right away. The warp engine is getting worse and worse and Neelix tags along so that he can cover the stuff going on in the engine room. They're trying to keep the core from going critical and they're also trying to avoid having to vent plasma out of the warp nacelles because that will kill their ability to go to warp temporarily. You don't need to know anything about Star Trek or its technology to get that as this sound in the room is getting louder and more high-pitched. PTC temperature now 3.2 million kelvins. Things are getting worse and worse as time goes on. This vessel is going to go nuclear. And uh, I thought that it was a pretty good piece of spycraft that Jonas goes and freshens himself up at a console (laughs) right next to the engine. There's coffee in Mr. Jonas. Ouch. That looks bad. Like bad enough to where they're beaming people straight to six bay. Three casualties, Ben, (laughs) are what they've got from this They're fucking dead? (laughs) Casualty, a word I now know the, the true definition of. Casualties in the sense that Parts of these crew people's bodies have just been turned into raisins. And during this time, Neelix tries to interview Jonas, who is not interested in talking about his experience. Here's a theory that I have, Ben. Mm. And this scene is what made me think of it. Can Neelix not tell when things are burned? Is that the problem with his cooking? Because he's, <laughs> he's trying to interview Jonas like everything is fine. Jonas looks like a pile of raisins. Right. Yeah. Jonas looks like uh, like Scotty's nephew. Yeah. Who died. <laughs> I think maybe Neelix has burn blindness and it translates into everything he does. Wow. Both personally and culinarily. God damn. Maybe you're right. That's what I'm burn saying. Burn blindness. Yeah. I, I didn't even know that that was a, an affliction you could get. You'd have to I ask guess I had Doc a college Holiday. roommate who had burn blindness. Yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. always overcooking their food. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of times that semester, the entire building got evacuated because our smoke alarm went off. 
Oh, jeez. That's so embarrassing to always be the one. <laughs> I've got to get that platinum, get that robe enlargement. <laughs> Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name and not a giant social media company's name with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. I've got to get that platinum. Now he's planning a heist. 
God. The damage to the warp engines is pretty bad. When your car needs something fixed, what you never want to hear is the word rebuild. And that is the word being thrown around here. Yeah. W slash R slash G, the warp engines. They've got to rebuild them. Yeah, and they got to find the materials to do it. Where are they going to get the raw materials, Ben? Always a problem. Always a challenge for the Voyager crew. Hemakek. Yeah. Hemakek. Hemakek. Sounds like a uh, drug you would take to force up Chuck. It really does. This is also uh, a planet we're familiar with from a previous Seska conversation with with Jonas. It's all starting to come together. Yeah, it is. And this is also when they get the news that uh, Tom Paris has been grabbed by the Nistrum. Uh, They get one more uh, FaceTime from Laxeth. And he's like, hey, uh, just to let you know, our entire convoy got totally fucked up, but they didn't steal any of our stuff. They just took Paris. Thought you should know. Yeah, I mean, luckily, everyone's fine over here. They largely left the cargo alone. I mean, I'm fine. Look at me. Doing great. (laughs) It was just a a smash and grab, and what they grabbed was Tom Paris. We're not mad about it or anything. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be honest, as a pilot, he was fine. What I didn't like was how he was looking at my wife. Seemed suspicious. Anyways... (laughs) I'm glad that he's going to be a problem for uh, Kazan men and their wives now. Plenty of broom closets over there. (laughs) He's their broom closet's problem. What I had been advising was put him on a ship that only has women that are in their third trimester. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's where he's gone. He's gone gone aboard the Kazan ship to meet third trimester. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's really good. That's that is at least as good as Ram Yarlin. It gets better the more I think about it. Yeah, it's fun. If you find yourself on Seska's ship after the Chakotay situation, <laughs> you got to be expecting to give up some cum, right? <laughs> Tom Paris. Hello, Seska. She throws a uh, a sample jar to him <laughs> and yeah, a couple get, of magazines. Get to cranking, Paris. Yeah. <laughs> because you're not going to like how the Kazan get it out of you. She kind of pitches him on the, uh, like, this is, this is what Darth Vader says to Luke Skywalker the first mm-hmm. time they meet. Yeah, come. Why don't we, uh, why don't you, we get you in this? You can come yourself or, or we can make you come later. That's what Darth Vader says. <laughs> Vader just wants that nice, nice cum. Yeah. That Skywalker cum is worth its weight in gold. Seska's a fun character. I like her in this scene. I know all about what's happened. Your sudden inability to be Starfleet's good boy. Paris has not broken petulance for episodes and episodes now, and so he's ready. He's ready to throw it right back in her face. The cum, I mean. <laughs> Do you think that they stopped doing whatever operations they were doing to return her to her Cardassian look because of her pregnancy? I think you're saying this because I also noticed that her spoon looked kind of shallow to me. Yeah, she's like she was like in a transitional period for a minute, but it doesn't look like she, they they've gone to full Cardassian loaf, you know. She may have molted uh, recently. <laughs> I mean, that's a theory. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. God, she's so fucking dumb, though. Like, all right, well, I've made my warning. 
You haven't taken me up on my offer. Go ahead and make yourself comfortable in this room with a computer in it. <laughs> and then Tom gets to work looking for tax documents here. You just can't leave an unlocked computer around Tom Paris or anyone else, really. Yeah, he starts sort- sorting folders by file size, and uh, he's off to the races. This is how you know, right? This is the moment. This has been a mission the whole time. Yeah. And he's even got like a little spy gadget folded up in the sleeve of his shirt. As an order of operations question, do you like when you know this in this episode? I suspected it before this. So I was happy that they got the reveal out of the way. That's fair. Um, But I feel like there would have been another way of playing it where Paris remained a question mark for way longer, but they would have needed the goodbye scene to play out really differently if that was the case. One of the things that the TNG episode Gambit did really well is it really played a lot with our knowledge of Picard, our believing he hasn't turned, and yet time after time giving us a version of Picard that makes us doubt that. If he has nothing to give us, we should kill him now and be done with it. And this episode doesn't do that at all with Paris in a way that I was kind of hungry for. Like, I wanted to be in doubt a little bit more than I was. Where that doubt is transferred is back onto the crew, though. Right. Well, and, and like Neelix picks up on something that I had wondered about, which is how do you explain the Kazon going and grabbing Paris only? It seems like it yeah. wasn't them shaking down Talaxians. It seems like them going and getting Paris. And Neelix smells a rat here. I'm surprised that he can smell that because he can't smell that the food is burning in the kitchen. <laughs> Yeah, he's standing in his restaurant and right behind him there's like a there's like a pot of chili just turning into a cinder. It's like the scene in the Naked Gun movie where Drebin is like nothing to see here. <laughs> Everything's under control. Poor BLT is uh, working a double in engineering when Neelix hits her up for some help with the com logs and uh, Jonas is the guy. Like what's great about this is BLT is like No time. (laughs) Jonas, hop in here. Yeah. And it's his job to sort of help Neelix with his mission. There is fun tension in this scene, right? Like the bad guy is there to help Neelix look through the computer. And he does some really fun face acting when Neelix notices that gap in the data entry. We talk a lot about Jonas, the character, but Raphael Sabarge, this is his episode to take over, and he really does. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. They are looking at the subspace transmission logs and are finding some stuff that is pretty suspicious. Everybody else has left engineering conveniently, Yeah, and Jonas gets some kind of like cutting torch. Looks like he's going to turn it into a uh, Neelix brulee. What you want to do is get the Neelix skin nice and crispy so you can just like thwack it with a spoon Uh to get into that Neelix custard inside. (laughs) It's delicious. Delightful. This was so great. Yeah. Saved by the doc, though. The doc doesn't know he saved himself from some work here. I know. Yeah. Neelix taking calls from the doctor like this just reveals that he needs a producer. But it's like, where are you going to find the time to hire the producer when you're doing all of the work of the host and the producer? God, I know. We have really uh, found that out the hard way (laughs) as our producer hiring practice drags on into another month. 
another. <laughs> yeah. The show has the upper hand now, Ben. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, I think it's understandable. Neelix got COVID for a week, and that, yeah, you know, slowed everything down by quite a bit. Jonas went to Wisconsin the week after that. <laughs> a lot going on. Yeah, Neelix takes these suspicious logs to Tuvok and brings them to his attention. Tuvok, who is in his quarters just reading My Pet Goat. (laughs) Because this is Tuvok's job. Yeah, if you notice, uh, the pad Tuvok is holding is upside down. Yeah. (laughs) Tuvok doesn't seem to realize that he's doing a bad job for not discovering this before Neelix. Neelix, who has an entirely other job to do on the ship and has still uncovered all this evidence, while this is Tuvok's only responsibility. Yeah. Well, in retrospect, this is an example of a Vulcan lying. And I think that this is like one of the interesting utilities of a character like Tuvok is that he is a practiced deception artist. And in this scene, he basically invokes national security to call Neelix off of the case. I will pursue the matter and I will help you. I think not. You're saying he's lying because Tuvok already knows this about the the com logs? Yeah, because I mean at the end of the episode they say that like they knew somebody was sending subspace messages off the ship because he found it first. He found it before anybody. Huh. That was that was a detail that was a little squishy to me. Like I figured he knew that, but I didn't think that he grasped the detail that Neelix was bringing him here. Yeah. Which is why I saw it as just a bad Tuvok look. (laughs) No, I think what he's doing is trying to control for the chaos agency of Neelix by calling him off the scent. What's really interesting about the end of this scene is that Tuvok asks Neelix to drop it, but is this an order? And could it possibly ever be an order? Because Neelix is not a real crew person, is he? Like, wearing a badge doesn't make you in Starfleet. So does what it, ex- what exactly what power does does Tuvok have outside know. of just standard security shit? I guess we would need to see the like civilian employee rule book for working on a ship, but I imagine like if you get an order from a member of the crew, you have to follow it, right? Like he's not in the chain of command per se, but he also like has to do whatever the captain says. I bet it's kind of like how a passenger has to listen to a flight attendant. Like right. you're, you you must obey the instructions in that case. <laughs> yeah, Tuvok should have uh, duct taped Neelix to a chair for the rest of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tuvok's only paid when the ship is in motion. <laughs> Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. The other guy that has been kind of a character that has been running in the background for several episodes alongside Jonas is this guy, Hogan, who he seems to have sort of Jonas-like sympathies, <laughs> but is not has not like gone full villain the way Jonas has. But uh, he seems like a little shifty, so that's why I think of him as Skulk Hogan. God, you're just on fire today. <laughs> God, you're so good at this. Hogan has almost Betazoid-like eyes to me. He's got a great face. I wish I looked like Hogan. He looks great. Great looking dude and like legitimately helpful in a way that I found totally believable. The sort of Starfleet guy you want in any job. You want to recover deleted logs? Ah, that would be ideal. 
Well, let me give it a try. Not letting Neelix get up in his shit to distract him for what he's doing, but just like low key, he's got that simmer of helpfulness running at all times. Right. He's sort of like an ace hardware employee. (laughs) Like, because he helps Neelix in this scene and then he like practically talks Neelix out of the room with more and more advice. (laughs) It's great. Yeah. Whereas Jonas is more like a Home Depot employee who you're like, is this the right kind of cock for my uh, kitchen counter? And they're like, cock? (laughs) Oh man, you are so fucking right. Yeah. Hogan is the helpful engineer employee and jonas jonas is a fucking big box retailer asshole yeah i want to be clear i'm not like all retail employees have very hard jobs and like i'm not calling home depot employees assholes that job is very hard i think i think what you're doing is calling home depot a shitty company for failing to train its employees as well as some other hardware employees yeah that's it so get off my fucking back fucking leave adam alone (laughs) I Stop writing Ace, that angry okay? tweet. Come on. Ace is great. Ace is my place. Ace is my hardware store of choice. It's a good hardware store. So what they find is a a where. Where on the ship these transmissions happened from. And uh, it looks like they've been like encoded in some engine process. So they wouldn't have gone out on the normal antennas mm-hmm. that were would be monitored by security. So Neelix is off to the section of the ship where these transmissions were sent from. And where does he find himself but Tom Paris's vacant quarters? Yeah. They have not been reassigned. Nobody got upgraded yet. No. And not a sweater to be found there. The uh, Sad to see those quarters without any sweaters in them. The revelation is clear. Paris is a traitor. Paris was the bad guy. This warrants another McLaughlin group, Adam. Issue two. Sure does. Neelix is brought to Janeway for a ball kicking here. But it's less a ball kicking for Neelix and more of a butt kicking for Chakotay because (laughs) this plant happened behind his back. Another really severe indignity for Chakotay that he weirdly takes very little umbrage with. (laughs) And by the way, Chakotay... Both me and Neelix are pregnant with your child. (laughs) Why the fuck does this keep happening to me? The J slash C people will be psyched to hear it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they did a good job of like framing this so that it wouldn't hit Chakotay as hard as it possibly could. Which is like, we didn't want to put you in the position of having to like fuck over somebody that used to be one of your crewmates. I mean, yes and no, because we're not with him long enough to feel how he feels about this. And this is like one of my main gripes with this episode is that so much happens to Chakotay, but Chakotay is in this episode for 30 seconds. And I want to live with his pain here over this, over this and in subsequent scenes too. Robert Beltran had to come down to the lot, get in makeup, get in wardrobe, get his balls kicked and then drive home. Uh, yeah, Robert Beltran, this might be too inside baseball for for the rest of this auditorium full of thousands of people waiting in line behind me to ask a question. But like, how frustrating is it for you to get into makeup and wardrobe for an episode that you're only in for 15 seconds? All right, thanks. I'm going to take my answer while I'm walking the, uh, the merch booth. <laughs> it's a long walk. 
they basically tell Neelix to continue working. You're going to be our canary in this coal mine. Like yeah. you're going to you're going to be uh, the undercover agent here. And the group agrees that this is very dangerous work, but Tuvok's like, "Yeah, we just keep his comm line open. It's fine." Yeah. We need you to start to sell that you're like not so sure it was Paris mm-hmm. and and keep rooting around for information. I had a real problem with keeping the comm line open though. That is a part of this plan that I would push back on pretty hard. Like yeah. are you like all I need to do is hit the comm badge, right? Like yeah. why do you need to keep it open? <laughs> I can open the comm badge. I was dying for a scene of like two people in the security team who have been stuck in a room just like monitoring Neelix's combat, yeah. like listening to him take a bath or something and just the sonar pulling their operator hair out. scene from a submarine movie, just like in a <laughs> closet holding the headphones on their on their ears, just I think he's burning some Leola root. <laughs> How many baths does one guy take? Jesus. <laughs> Back on the Kazon ship, Tom finally finds the tax documents folder. <laughs> And he also finds a FaceTime where Jonas and Seska discuss what's going on. He gets it cleared up just enough to make a positive ID. And then Seska comes storming in with a couple of armed pine cones. And she catches him red-handed with his spy shit. I was delighted at the sequence that follows here, the, the prison break. Yeah. Of everything that happens. So, like, there's this little mini explosion that happens at the panel, and then Paris or Paris Stuntman bounces over the bed yeah. in a really fun way. Like, <laughs> I believe it was B-Dunks who does this because the stunt is basically hop up onto a bed with your butt and then bounce over the side of it and grab a phaser rifle. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. But the way that like the combat unfolds and the chase through the hallway happens and then the escape into the shuttle works, like it's so elliptical and fast that you don't stop to think about how little you're seeing here. Yeah. There's next to no detail about this prison escape at all that, that makes any sense. The ship is really small mm-hmm. and has far fewer chains than the other Kazon <laughs> ship that we've uh-huh. been aboard. Yeah. Uh, and and this is mostly just like Paris rolling around on the floor of hallways. Uh, trying to rip guns out of the hands of of Kazons. Yeah. But he gets away and he is headed back to Voyager as fast as he possibly can. Meanwhile, in engineering, uh, Neelix is there again. Like, it's fucking bring your Talaxian to work day. Like, just <laughs> really getting in the way of everyone's work here. I think I definitely at some point got Jonas and Skulk Hogan confused in a, in previous episodes. And this scene where We're they're like working- We're sticking with Skulk Hogan, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, unless you don't want to. If you have a better name. I don't. That's the thing. That's what's so irritating about this is that I can't do better than Skulk Hogan. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of co-host am I if I can't do better than that? (laughs) I'm a failure. It it really brought into relief for me, like, why I got them confused. Like, they are very, like, similar builds, similar haircut guys. And their faces are not, like, super punchable, but they're punchable in the same way, I feel like. (laughs) But which is crazy because no one has a more punchable face than Neelix. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a total of two punchable faces in this scene. It's it's one Neelix and, and one half Jonas and one half Skulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah. So both Hogan and Jonas are like, look, Neelix, we're kind of fucking busy right now. And then at that moment, things get way busier when they've got a Tom Paris incoming. Yeah. 
Skulk Hogan is out of the room and the bridge calls down asking for them to extend their transporter range as much as possible by shunting engine room power to the transporters. But it's just Jonas and Neelix in there. Yeah, you can tell the work isn't happening because Jonas isn't grabbing a hose by the hose in order to (laughs) (laughs) plug things into different systems. Yeah, Neelix is like, hey, uh... There, there's no hose stuff going on here. She asked you. That sounded pretty urgent, Jonas. Our course is locked in. Do it. Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. Meanwhile, in the shuttle, B-Dunks is doing that thing where he is just slamming himself into walls. Like, the direction here is, you cannot go big enough (laughs) for the bangers getting dropped on you. And it looks like B-Dunks is having a great time selling it. Kazon Ralph Nader's book has not yet hit bookshelves and they haven't made seatbelt standard in their shuttles just yet. No, it looks dangerous. The bangers are so big that it's not even the exploding panels. It's just him getting knocked out of his chair and bonking his head on a bulkhead that yeah. KOs B-Dunks. He's like the agitator inside a can of spray paint at this point. <laughs> that is not the worst thing that's happened to him in a shuttle, though, recently also. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a cakewalk by comparison. Yeah. <laughs> Neelix is screaming at Jonas. Jonas is screaming back at Neelix. He he puts up a force field in engineering to keep Neelix from leaving. How did you do that? That's pretty suspicious. I love that. The, <laughs> I love that there are like five or six things that Jonas does here. Like I I feel like Neelix gets it, but he doesn't get it until the totality reaches a level where it is one thousand percent clear. The meal is burning, Neelix. (laughs) You need to take it off the stove. Jonas knocks Neelix out, grabs Neelix's comm badge and his comm badge, and uh, and runs out of there. And Neelix, like, wakes up. I don't know why the we're going to be monitoring your comm badge continuously thing was even said, because it plays (laughs) no role in the rest of the episode. Like, this is where they should have beamed enough security guys into the room that nobody could move. We cut to the super literal sonar operator in the closet going, you just told me to monitor. You didn't tell me to do anything with what I heard. (laughs) You need to be more specific. Yeah. But Neelix gets like a pipe wrench and goes after Jonas. This is a pretty nice hand-to-hand combat sequence, cutting from stuntman to star and back and forth. I really liked it. Yeah, it was good. I didn't know Neelix had this in him. He sort of uh, he sort of flips Jonas over his shoulder into the plasma fire in the background. Yeah. And RSVP Jonas. The scene blew me away because, like, it... I think we like see engineering from a bunch of angles that we've never seen it from. Mm-hmm. It's like one of those moments where you're like, I can't believe we're in season two and I'm seeing how cool this set is yeah, in like a you, whole new way. Were you confused about like, what even is this open flame in the background? Like, was that damage or was that a flame they have going all the time? It like opens up behind them, but yeah. they're up on the second level. So it's already an unfamiliar space that we're in. Right. And, uh, and yeah. Jonas goes over the edge and he, he gets vaporized. He gets his Hans from Die Hard moment. Like <laughs> he, he slowly gets winged over Neelix's shoulder and then does that thing where he's like crawling in midair. Yeah. It's great. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. I was going to compare it to Sean Young in No Way Out when Gene Hackman pushes her over the 
over the railing. Listen, man, I am here for any and all Sean Young references. <laughs> and so is Bill Tilly. <laughs> you got to believe that if there were like a giant plasma fire inside engineering at all times, what's Brad Dourif's character doing murdering crew people inside panels? Like you should just be throwing people into this fire all the time. I think it I think it was like it was like not there in one moment and then like during the fight it like opened up. It seems very dangerous to have this thing around. Yeah. What's under these floorboards? Jesus. I always subscribe to the plasma fire philosophy, which is like leave it more burned than when you found it. That's <laughs> in all my relationships. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> What's great so, is like after Jonas dies, in walks Tuvok. Just in time for nothing. <laughs> Where's the bad guy, Neelix? Yeah. Uh, funny thing about that. Yeah. I admire Neelix in this episode, though, because he really has a case for Neelix saved the day. And uh, yep. and yet he gives that glory to Paris when Paris is a guest on the Neelix show. I like that generosity. It is a good Neelix episode in obvious ways, but also subtle ways like this. Yeah. This is, And it's the button that does it. Paris on Neelix's morning show is that moment where you're like, good guy, Neelix. Good job. And yeah. Paris Paris on his own isn't a glory hound here. Like he no. tells the story like in a fairly neutral manner. He tells the story in a neutral manner and then, you know, turns to camera and like a tweet that is a screenshot of the notes app apologizes <laughs> to the crew for what an asshole he's been lately. I'd like to apologize to anyone that I might have offended. Paris with a long distance dedication apology to Chakotay <laughs> here who who is like, look, Chakotay, that may in fact be my child inside Seska. You know what happens <laughs> over there on that ship. Uh Kind of a lot of a lot of cum being thrown around in Seska's presence. The camera pulls back from Chicote watching this on a monitor, and then pans down to his hand where he snaps a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what was happening, and I and I loved it. I loved it just the same. <laughs> well, did you love this episode, Adam? did i thought it was super fun in a weird way this is me at the end of every vacation like two days before the end of vacation i start to feel sad that the vacation's coming to an end yeah and in a related way now that the jonah story is over i'm like shit <laughs> i like i kind of like the jonah story like i wish we were still stretching that taffy out yeah this felt like a in like a relatively similar position a thing that Star Trek Discovery does, which is an episode that resolves a huge amount of serial plot arc, gets thrown in like a couple episodes before the end of the season. And that's sort of what happened here. Yeah. And, you know, I wonder what they are clearing the way for in resolving the Jonas storyline now. I mean, like, he's obviously not the end boss. Seska is the end boss of that storyline. And she's still in play. Right. But yeah, I thought it was a it was a very interesting place in the season to put an episode like this, but it was a really strong episode. So I was all for it. I mean, a couple of hand-to-hand -hand combat scenes, a pretty fun escape from a ship scene, the resolution yeah. to a story that's gone on for multiple episodes. 
Like, yeah. and I mean, this is season two of Voyager. I feel like things are trending upward for the show. I think it's feeling itself here in a good way. Absolutely. Well, do you want to feel around in the mailbag and see if we have any Priority One messages? It's always consensual in the Priority One message inbox, Ben. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, our first message is of a promotional nature. It goes like this. Being a tech person who isn't neurotypical can feel like being the only Klingon in Starfleet or former Borgs trying to learn and adapt to life outside the collective. You want to do the things that are easy for others, but it feels impossible. Neurodiverse Tech is a Slack community for neurodiverse folks with ADHD, bipolar, autism, etc. who work in tech. It's full of nice and supportive people sharing their successes and failures. Also, maybe Kevin or Kern can relate and have something to say. I may be an all-powerful being, but <laughs> I am also an old, which is why I, I just do not understand Slack at all. <laughs> it is totally confounding to me. There's these channels and messages and DMs. I, every time I open up Slack, I have 500 new notifications. There's something different about my brain. <laughs> I signed up for neurodiverse.tech, and then I forgot my password. <laughs> I need help remembering my password. This sounds great. Yeah, super cool. And, uh, and definitely a resource that I imagine will be appealing to a lot of people. So go to neurodiverse.tech and join a community of nice and supportive people who get it. God, I mean, just that for everything. Like, yeah. nice and supportive people who get it for everything is what I would like. Yeah, that would really rule. Thanks to Colin Donnell for uh, getting that P1. We have a couple more here as well. Ben, this next priority one message is from Farouche, and it is to Ben and Adam, and it goes like this. When times get rough, I often turn to the warm embrace of our friends on The Entrepreneur. So glad that I found this pod to both appreciate and talk shit about Trek. <laughs> Thanks for being awesome. I don't know when, if I'll ever hear this since I haven't seen Voyager, but it would make my day if Kevin reread the message using only the word exocomp. <laughs> A lot of Kevin love this episode. You want to take oh, this yeah. one, Ben? Exocomp, 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 exocomp. Haven't seen Voyager, exocomp, exocomp. <laughs> <laughs> exocomp, exocomp, Kevin, exocomp, exocomp. <laughs> Uh, thanks, Farouche. And our last P1 is from your authentic meth-fueled space pilot. And it is to my friends who are viewers. And it goes like this. Hey, friends. I know some of you are viewers. If you know who this is from, I thought I'd tell the world and you that after some soul searching, I prefer she slash her pronouns. And the name is Diana. Much love. Wow. This is a big moment. And this is a requested date of October 11th. I'm glad due to the significance of this message, we're nailing the date, Ben. I know. This is huge. Congratulations, Diana. It's an awesome thing. Wow. Not a lot of detail here. Like, I hope this message gets sent to the right place, you know? <laughs> Given its significance, I mean. Yeah. I mean, meth-fueled space pilot does sound like a... 
a specific person. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that does narrow it down, right? Yeah. Wow. That's really awesome. A great set of Priority One messages across the board on today's yeah. episode. Nice set. If you'd like to get one uh, on an upcoming episode, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and sign up. I'm seeing a lot more messages uh, have been claimed for 2022, but there's still uh, plenty to go around. So if you want to get one in, now is the time to do it. Yeah, on either this show or the hit new Star Trek podcast, Greatest Discovery. Yeah. You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like threats, and I don't like you. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I mean, every time Seska is in an episode, she is the alpha chaos agent. And she is in here stirring the fucking pot, like always. Yeah. So it may be easy. It may be cheap Shimoda heat every time. <laughs> but like... Seska is the Shimoda in this episode to me because she she's the one that made it all happen. This is true. Um, my Shimoda in this episode is the doctor just because he seemed like he was having the most fun in this episode. Like, yeah. About as little to do as a Ensign Kim or a <laughs> Chakotay. Right. But at least he's not in the ball kicking machine. Right. You got to be grateful for that. And his, if he was- hollow it, balls he, are safe. He could just set himself to pervious mode and yeah. it would go right through, right? Yep. Yeah, the the uh, the hammer on the ball kicking machine would just spin on an axis. <laughs> it would turn around and kick the machine. Yeah. That's what it would do. Yeah. That's what that machine deserves. Kick it right <laughs> in the box full of quarters. Bust all those quarters out. Spill out onto the floor. It'd be great. It'd be great for everyone in the room. People run like it's a casino. <laughs> I'd love that. Wouldn't that be great? That would rule. Well, Adam, I guess I better head over to gach.biz slash game at this point in the show and uh, spin up our game of buttholes, The Will of the Caretaker. What's the point anymore, Ben? We're always ever going to be on the second or third row. Yeah, we're stuck. I don't see any point to it. We stay stuck. Before I find out if we get off of the third row or past this banger, let me tell you about season two, episode 21, Deadlock. A space anomaly generates a duplicate Voyager and crew, but only one ship can survive an assault by Vidian invaders. Yes. Give me this <laughs> generic science fiction story, Ben. I love this shit. <laughs> I'm going to love this episode, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds fun. Hell yeah. Sounds fun as hell. All right. We are on square 22. A couple squares ahead is that fucking banger. Uh, and I think we could also hit the Naked Now bathtub episode. Oh, Jesus. Don't want that. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll this bone. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Adam, I rolled a three. We made it past the banger. Wow. Regular episode next week. But an unbanged shuttlecraft, or a runabout, I guess it is. Wow, there are like three people in our entire viewership who bet the over, uh, cashing tickets right now. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. It's a, uh, the casino may go out of business. 
which is not a slam on Michigan. Was yeah. that what? <laughs> oh, you saw that message? <laughs> yeah, someone, uh, this happens a lot on the show, I feel like, is people feel like we're talking about them or where they're from <laughs> or something personal when we're very, like we're not. But I think it's a natural instinct to, whenever you're consuming a thing, to feel like, it's centered on you, I guess. But this person was like, why do you keep dunking on Michigan every time you talk about casinos going out of business? Like, It's only De- happened twice or something. Yeah, like Detroit's, Detroit's great, guys. Like Detroit's really trying. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, we love Detroit and we love playing Michigan. We would, ne- and also we have never said specifically what we're talking about. <laughs> no. We're clearly talking about Atlantic City. Yeah. And an idiot business owner. So chill. Uh, wow. Well, I'm looking forward to next week's episode. It's a regular episode with a very fun premise. And, I'm really uh, excited for this one. In the meantime, uh, thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, maybe consider leaving a nice review on Apple Podcasts or giving us a star on this episode and Overcast or whatever your podcatcher app is. Uh, if there's a rating and review mechanism in there do it for us right now while you're thinking about it it feels really good to see how many great reviews we've gotten over the years and it is a very free way to support the show by reviewing it wherever you're able and we really appreciate that we sure do we also appreciate the hard work of bill tilly our social media director who operates the at greatest trek accounts on instagram and twitter and moderates our Twitch streams at Greatest Trek. Yeah. Hit Bill up uh, if you've got, like, fan art. He loves retweeting that stuff. If you've got an idea for a T-shirt or something we could throw at, up at uh, podshop.biz, Bill is the person to go to with that as well. And if you want to send something to us for a uh, mail call segment, hit Bill up. That's right. Bill, the only firewall between us <laughs> and some of the crazy things we've been sent over the years. Yeah. Lots of fun. Lots of fun. We really appreciate his hard work. If you uh, if you want to get into the communities of Friends of DeSoto on the internet, they're all over the place. Facebook groups, there's a greatestgen.fandom.com wiki. There is the drunkshimoda.com Discord. There's the Reddit sub. It's just everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. Miriam groups. Thanks to Adam Ragusea for making the original theme music of this show, as well as Dark Materia, who made the Picard song that you're hearing low over our voices right now. And with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager, where we'll actually have two Bens and two Adams, but we'll have to kill two of them <laughs> watch you, you're just gonna kill the two atoms that, yeah. that's what you've wanted all along is two bends <laughs> on this show i know how you think could happen just a really great show by you ben oh like, good show by you too buddy just a just a massive comedy effort on your end really bringing uh, it well, what i want it to feel like is an effort <laughs> <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.